Oh, here we go. I think say something. Um, John Mulaney. Everything that made Daisy burn made me burn. Everything I loved about the world, Daisy loved about the world. Everything I struggled with, Daisy struggled with. We were two halves. You were the same. In that way that you're only the same with a few other people. In that way that you don't even feel like you have to say your own thoughts because you know the other person is already thinking them. How could I be around Daisy Jones and not be mesmerized by her, not fall in love with her? I couldn't. I just couldn't. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Let to Lens podcast, a safe place for folks who like the movie more than the book, or in this case, the show. We are recording this episode on Saturday, June 10th. Welcome to episode number 71, where we will be discussing the adaptation Daisy Jones and the Six. Uh, I am your host, Will, and with me to talk up about the show and the adaptation um, is the pill popping, songwriting, and powder sniffing Mr. Eric himself. Say hello to the people eat. Hey, Will. Hey, what's you, up? You I, got a no, allergies? Or no, what's yeah, going yeah, on no, over it's, there? Uh, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> just finished reading. Just finished watching. Kind of in the mood for, uh, I don't know, <laughs> a little substance, mood for some substance abuse. Yeah, I feel the need of the need for speed. Is that what they say? <laughs> um, that's top. Guy. Contrary to popular belief, we both do not do drugs. So yeah, you have a coffee. I have a, a like a sixty-four ounce water bottle in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big yeti. It's ten in the morning. Although caffeine is technically a drug, it's. Uh, it's technically a stimulant, officially. Mm. So, okay, we are drug users, but it's not. Maybe it's not abusers, though. I guess is it regulated though? It's regulated. Okay, and it's it's a minor form of uh, stimulation. Got so it. Okay, it's not. Thank the you. Same effects as cocaine. <laughs> not that I would know. Didn't they, didn't they? They always said cocaine used to be in like the original Coca Cola oh, recipe, yeah, right? Yeah. So yeah. that was that famous or that funny Elon Musk tweet. Put the put the coke back in the bottle. Or oh yeah, he's gonna buy coke. Yeah, sorry. What happened to this? Society? I should have brought in Elon Musk so early to the show. <laughs> My bad. Um, well, hello, people. It's been a few months. Um, we're taking a little little break, um, but we're back and we are after it. Um, so we read the book Daisy Jones and the Sex and um, watched the TV show. Um, ten episodes, about forty some minutes each, except for the last one, which was an hour. Um, so a lot of content and a lot to dig through today on but today's episode. unlike past tv episodes we've done we are doing it all in one episode yeah because that's what amazon did they the show was on the air for three weeks and then they forgot about it so yeah, we're just gonna do one episode and that's all <laughs> that's all you get yeah it was kind of surprising when i was uh like trying to find the show it wasn't featured it wasn't one of the featured shows so either it didn't get a lot i feel like it got a lot of traction but they, I feel like they just got rid of it. They just like dropped it like a bad They're habit. Like, we're, we're this yeah, because they, they launched with a three episode premiere, which is I mm-hmm. think more common these days. Like instead of doing the full drop, they do like a, a couple to get you into it. Yeah. And then they'll do like one, 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 one for the rest. But this they did three, three, two. So there's no time for it oh. to build. No time for people to talk about it. Weird. No time for us to, you know, podcast about it. Yeah. And then we Here also we have to... Are in- yeah. In June. Yeah. So justice for Daisy Jones and the Six. Yeah. <laughs> this is a justice podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, McCoy, let's talk about some uh, quick fast facts before we get into the adaptation. So 
The book was written by Taylor Jenkins Reid, who is the author um, of other books, including The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, Malibu Rising, and Carrie Soto is Back. Uh, this book was first published in 2019 by Ballantine Press, or Ballantine Books, excuse me, uh, and was a New York Times bestseller. Goodreads rating of 4.23, so the people uh, loved it. Uh, the show premiered on Amazon Prime, like Eric just mentioned, in March this year. Um, it was developed by Scott uh, Nudstadter and Michael we- uh, H. Weber. Uh, the show stars Riley Keough, Sam Claflin, Camilla Marone, and Suki Waterhouse. Uh, Run Tomato score of 70%, Metacritic of 62 So pretty well received um, for both the book and the show. Yeah, I feel like the book is beloved. I feel like yeah. I know a lot of people who really really like this book which is interesting um we will get into that here in a minute but um we'll find out if we agree with that consensus or not. i like that tease that's well, a good tease you know, we'll, we'll see stay tuned this is my job you know, yeah that's <laughs> eric give us a quick recap so daisy jones and the six in 1977 daisy jones and the six were on top of the world the band had risen from obscurity to fame and then after a sold-out show at chicago's crumbling soldier field I added that word sorry uh they called it quits now, decades later, all of the band members agree to reveal the truth in an interview format. Yes. So they call it, uh, this is actually, this format is has cool. been done before. Yeah. What do they call it? Oral history? Or, mm. Yeah. Oral history. Yeah. Which yeah. is, I've never, I don't think I've ever read a book like this, but. I, it, I feel like they were very popular when this book came out. So when did you say this book came out? Like 2019. 2019. I feel like. 2015 16 there were a lot of oral histories like we discovered as a society this was a good way to tell stories like there's the um oh my god i'm gonna forget his name but there is a guy a journalist who writes these big fat books that are oral histories of snl or espn um he recently released one about the agency caa that's literally just an oral history they're like 800 pages and they just stitch together interviews with all of the main principles involved with all of these things. Oh, weird. Um, so I feel like those were like deregur for a while. And so this is kind of like a, I could do that for a book. Yeah. Maybe this is my creative project. Mm, interesting. Um, are there any like famous, I feel like there are, there are famous books around this. I would think there are mostly nonfiction. Interesting. But this is, so, and this is fiction, which is why I, thought it's, I heard something recently where it was like a Leo, like Tolstoy or somebody like famous had sort of, created this uh form of narrative essentially i mm. can't remember i'll have to look it up before this episode ends uh to clean it up so james andrew miller is who i'm talking about okay he, he does a lot of this oral history like nonfiction book writing um so for your listeners who are looking for more oral histories to read there you go you're welcome um cool so thank you for the recap uh we are going to get into one of our favorite games here uh, two truths and one lie. Although today we're going to do four truths and one lie because there's so many characters, there's so many people involved, so many little fun tidbits. We're doing four, so uh, you, the odds are very much against you, but I feel like you'll probably get it. Let's do it. Okay. Number one, Riley Keough, uh, the act, or the actress who plays Daisy Jones, her grandfather is Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll. Oh. Number two, the book was inspired by the love story between Stevie Nicks and Lizzie Buckingham uh, of the band Fleetwood Mac. Uh, Number three, Riley Keough auditioned for the role of Daisy by singing a Fleetwood Mac song. Uh, Number four, Camilla Camilla Marone considers Al Pacino as her stepfather. 
And number five, Suki Waterhouse is a black belt in karate. Eric, what are we thinking? Well, okay, so I know for sure that Riley Keough's grandfather is Elvis Presley. Are you sure? Yes. 100%. I know that. Her face looks like Elvis's face. It's kind of like ovular, the little chubby cheeks. and. Mm um i think she can sing too which is kind of mm-hmm. a looks good i don't know that sam claflin can sing maybe we, we need to look that up <laughs> later <laughs> you know how like hollywood does it where it's like hey leading man you don't need to sing we'll just do that and yeah, post yeah, for yeah. you yeah. like uh the guy that won the oscar for what's it rami malik for playing stevie oh yeah or not stevie uh guy from queen freddie yeah. mercury yeah yeah he can't sing he didn't sing no he didn't sing in that so i guess it's tough to sing freddie mercury so that's fair yeah uh anyway um i i think i'm pretty sure this has got to be inspired by fleetwood mac all of the like promotions for this tie in with fleetwood mac it ties in with the album rumors which came out in 1977 when this show is set this book is set could be a coincidence it could be a coincidence i feel like not so i'm gonna i'm gonna say that's a truth uh and then you have the like riley keogh auditioned by singing a fleetwood mac song the, the the back three here are i have no idea fleetwood mac seems to be thematically resonant and she's not like that big of an actress to not have to audition uh i don't know how you consider someone to be a stepfather i feel like they just marry your mother or not officially i don't know how that works but (laughs) maybe you can explain to the listeners and then stuki waterhouse black belt karate no idea um so let's let's say that there's too much fleetwood mac on this list and that riley keogh did not audition by singing a fleetwood mac song final answer wrong okay correct um she did in fact sing a fleetwood mac song it was not noted which song it was so mm. fortunately probably so. silver silver springs yeah, probably yeah yeah, yeah. Um, do you know any fleetwood mac songs what if i just made one up and you were just like yeah <laughs> i definitely just said yeah <laughs> i didn't know that that was a song but that's okay you could have said anything um so yeah camilla marone considers al pacino as her stepfather so apparently her mom lucilla marone dated al pacino for several years hmm. um i guess they never married but i guess she still considers al pacino her stepfather and the secret warehouse has a brown belt in karate is it higher or lower it's lower black belt is black the baby. highest yeah are you serious of course it's <laughs> i don't know <laughs> is there not like other uh, yeah, that's like a, yeah there's i think yellow is like the lowest or maybe white it goes like green blue brown i don't know Anyways, I found it on some stupid article, so I'm not even sure if it's like officially true or not. But we're going with it. We're rolling with it. So don't fuck with Suki Waterhouse. She'll fuck you up. Yeah, that's true. So, plus she's got a man, so chill out. I should probably say that to myself. Before I say that to you. <laughs> Who are you talking to? <laughs> I'm talking to myself. Yeah, my bad. Um. Anyways, uh, you lost, but that's all right. You have lost many of these. It's okay. It's tough. These are hard. Well, the the odds time. were against me. So the odds were against me. Yeah. You um okay then we're gonna keep it going here with over under the number is 25 and no it's not what you think it's for charlie (laughs) the age at which taylor jenkins reed signed her first literary agent um i don't know how old she is she doesn't seem that old taylor jenkins reed and Mm -hmm. she's written a ton of books like nine or ten she really just pumps them out so Mm -hmm. i feel like I feel. Oh, do you have her age? No, that's too much information. I don't want to know. Yeah, yeah, I can give you any. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna take the under, just based on like the time it requires for all these books to be written and come out and all that stuff, 
and for how old I think she is now. You have redeemed yourself. I'm back. Yeah. She was 24 when she signed her first literary agent. She has, she's 39 now. Um, she's written one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight books and one, uh, short story. So there you go. That's a lot. I mean, that's a lot. It's like a book a year, maybe, but she's been writing for like 15 or officially something like that. So yeah. Good for her. That's, yeah. That's like a book every other year, basically. Yeah. Which is so pretty good. You write one, you tour one while writing the next one that comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Tour it, write it, tour it, write it. It's similar to bands. Yeah. Interesting. All comes full circle. <laughs> um, cool. Well, you won. Congratulations. One for um, one. One for one. Yeah. Um, so before we get into the book, we're going to take a quick break and listen to a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. This episode of the Little Ends Podcast is brought to you by Cocaine. With Cocaine, it's always a fun time. Whether you are a singer-songwriter looking for the energy to create your next masterpiece, a groupie trying to dance all night, or a Daisy Jones type looking for something to snort, Cocaine is for you. Cocaine. Let's do something crazy. Cocaine. And we are back. Thank you from that brief word from our sponsor, Cocaine. Um, it's a hell of a drug. It's a hell of a drug. They've been a big sponsor of us for a long time, giving us samples from time to time. Um, we don't use them, but we know it's a great product. Can so. you imagine like the influencer boxes? Have you seen those like on mm-hmm. like Instagram and stuff? They just like unbox like, oh, I have oh. an influencer box from Budweiser and it's like a Budweiser tank top and like some cool cans and all that. Yeah, yeah. If you got like an influencer box from like a hard drug, it's just like <laughs> here you go. That'd be so good. Anyway. Anyways, big sponsors. I think that the the thing to underline is that there's just a lot of drug use in this story. Yeah. And we don't condone any of it. Of course. But we like to make fun of it. <laughs> yes. Of so course we do. Yeah. Disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> FYI. Um. Well, cool. So, let's get into the book. Um. Before we do that, though. We're going to do one of my favorite segments called Pitch Me Daddy. Um, Eric, you are, you own the rights of this book. You are trying to pitch me. I am the studio executive. I am Jeffrey Bezos. Pitch me Daisy Jones and the Six. Let's go. I would say here's the thing. There's, if you look at the, the, the bestseller list, the New York Times bestseller list, the, the best of the bestseller lists, there is one author who gets through the Colleen Hoover haze and it is Taylor Jenkins Reid. And this book in my hand, just imagine, is Daisy Jones and the Six. It broke through in a huge way. And I, Jeff, you know this, the law literally states that you have to turn something on the New York Times bestseller list, beloved by so many people, into something, whether it's a TV show or movie. Maybe we can talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Um, I know reasonable people, reasonable people can disagree, but um, I think what we can agree on is that something so huge needs to have money thrown at it you need to hire directors actors set designers you need to buy cameras i need a blank check is what i'm saying because this is so big that you literally cannot fail it is lehman brothers all right and don't and i know lehman brothers failed all right but just come with me come down this journey well whatever you want to do with this it's going to be a smash but on a serious note i think there are some pieces here daisy jones tells the story of a band coming apart at the seams because of a new member so there's there's sort of recognizable premise new person comes in tears apart existing group dynamics that's great plus you know jeff you get the whole sex drugs and rock and roll thing who doesn't love that um it's set in the sunshine 70s you know vietnam's over but reagan hasn't yet come down to curse the country (laughs) it's basically that sweet spot before everyone realizes that cocaine was bad for you 
it's a period of excitement. It's a period of possibility, creativity, LA at the worst of the smog crisis, but we'll go ahead and edit that out. Um, I don't know. You know, as the kids would say, Jeff, I know you, you, you know what the kids like because you're tracking them. Mm-hmm. This book is just a whole, it's just a whole ass vibe. Um, I don't know. Neither of us was alive in the seventies, but, uh, it sounds cool. And since no one today, you know, does Coke anymore, I, my suggestion is that we inject Daisy Jones and the six vibes straight into our veins. Say less. Okay. Here's a hundred, $140 million. Is that how much this cost? Yeah. So, I, well, I found a tweet with a article linked to it that said the budget was more than $14 million per episode. So mm. I did the mental math 14 times oh, 10. So that's good. That's good. Care the one. Yeah. And you're good. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's definitely uh, a story that I feel like does not get told often. Like there are a bunch of shows out there and they're all kind of have, similarities to them hard dramas period dramas i guess you could technically call this a period drama but there isn't really shows about rock musicians in the 70s um there's probably there's movies about them uh, but there also isn't really shows with music in it like this yeah um at least ones that i watch um so yeah i think it's a it's a unique place to market your put yourself in the marketplace right um where there isn't a lot of competition for shows like this and it's um a best-selling book so i think it's a good summer show because it is Mm -hmm. it's it's not i mean it's a little heavy but it's i think it, it sort of ends on like an uplifting note yeah um which is what the people want in the summertime when the living is easy and all that stuff also you know, the, because you, you made me think of this, the the book is so music forward. What if we recorded an album mm. and put that out? And now all of a sudden we get some Spotify streams money. Mm. We get some record sales. This is, I know you read the Will Smith autobiography, but this is the Will Smith playbook. <laughs> like Men in Black comes out, we cut a hit song yeah. and boom, we're making money hand, hand over fist in two different verticals. Yeah. I mean, if they're already playing the songs, why not just, you know, they're already recording them. Right. That's what I'm saying. Smart. That's smart. The TV show doesn't even need to be good. We can make so much money with this music. <laughs> As if Amazon didn't have enough money already. They need to make a little bit more. But yeah. No, I think it's it's a it kind of makes sense. Um and they actually they we'll talk about this later, but they wrote the lyrics to a lot of the songs, if not all of them. Uh or the author did in the book. And they're like an addendum to the book as like yeah. song lyrics. Yeah. I know they you you mentioned that they changed them a little bit here and there. I think they quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I think they just redid it. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But the fact that they did it, um, yeah, it's cool. Like it's got to be like a publishing thing. Like if you, if you just steal her lyrics, Taylor TJR, as mm-hmm. I call her, maybe. Um, maybe now. then you have to give her like a publishing credit and that's just like money that's not coming mm. to you. So what if we, if we just own it ourselves, then everything's better. Yeah. Cause essentially she would have to be a writer on all the songs in the album. She probably gets, yeah money for that yeah she's got enough money but she's already a producer it's like i don't know yeah Can't work that on the contract come on jeffrey i mean i haven't read them it's maybe they're just not good songs i haven't i didn't read them either so that, there's a possibility yeah makes sense um well cool so pitch worked you got your money absolute home run but we're gonna do three three two we're gonna do three episodes <laughs> first and three later and two so nobody can talk as about long it as i get one check and it, it comes at the beginning <laughs> 
we want people to absolutely miss the show. Lump sum, maybe. And no maybe. conversations to happen about it at all. So, um, Eric, what parts of the book were you excited to see adapted uh, onto the small screen? I was most interested in kind of like the sets, the world building. Um, we talked about this briefly, but the, the book is told in this oral history format, which does some things for it, but also in a lot of ways provides very little scene setting or historical context to like the actions being described. Um, and I feel like for me as a writer, as a watcher, I, I love context. I love world building. I want to build stakes through understanding the broader world and TV and movies can do that. And I was just ready to see more people, places and things because mm-hmm. in, as an oral history, um, I don't know. I was, I felt like a lot of times I was just kind of reading words and it's a, it's a very, it's a, it's a book that requires you to really lean on your imagination, yeah. which I think is, is, can be a cool thing. Um, but for me, I really just wanted to like, I want to live inside of this world. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to see that world. Yeah. Cause I'm into it. And then, um, second, I wanted to see the interplay between Billy Dunn, who's the lead singer of the six and Daisy, the sort of like Stevie Nicks, mm-hmm. Joni Mitchell, hurricane of a person who joins the band. The book really leverages leverages these two people as unreliable narrators to the point that you don't quite know what happened between them mm-hmm. as far as like personally relationship wise goes. And the TV or a movie based on like showing you something more often than not gets to the objective truth of it. And so I don't I want to see like what was the truth? What happened? How do these people really interact? What's the interplay between them? Mm-hmm. Um, the relationship stuff. Right. I, I I agree. I was not. I was less interested in the sets, but I I agree with your sentiment around. Like you need to lean on your imagination with this book. This book basically provides almost no context as to what's happening or like what the world looks like around them. It's basically a regurgitation of what happened and how people were feeling at the time. Um, it isn't a lot of interiority. It's actually just exteriority essentially yeah um if that's a word but yeah i mean i I really was actually i was most interested in the music like i usually am not one to enjoy a musical whether play or or movie um but like i was interested in the music for this one um because i'd heard that they were based on fleetwood mac and i liked them when i was in high school so i was like okay that kind of jives with me a little bit so um, that I was interested in, um, and I was interested to see what the backstories were going to be because it's a relatively short book. I think it's less than three hundred pages or about that, and we have ten hours essentially of yeah. viewing time. So that's going to be a lot of filler. So I was interested to see where they took it because the book doesn't really provide a lot of backstory for other characters. Um, it's basically just Daisy and Billy. They're sort of feud romance chemistry um and then everybody else is kind of like playing their their role to aid them in their they're all playing rhythm guitar (laughs) exactly (laughs) so i was interested to see where they what where they went with that which we'll get into later uh but yeah so those are the parts i'd like i was excited to see adapted um but eric did we like reading it i struggled boy did i struggle um we've in my house we've had this book for a few years and I've just sort of eyed it on the shelf as we've moved and as I've 
pass through our office where it's been sitting and I, w- I was never really like, looking at you. Yeah. I've been seeing the spy. I've been seeing the picture that looks just like Riley Keough on the cover. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was never super, super interested. I didn't, I didn't really know what it was about. And then past 18 months, I've been getting more into like seventies pop culture, Laurel Canyon stuff, the politics of the time, getting deeper into it. Um, and then I realized that's what Daisy Jones was kind of about. And I was like, Oh, well shit. Yeah. This is the, t- there's a TV show coming. I run a, podcast with you about <laughs> books and adaptations, adaptations like let's yeah. do this um and then it took me like four months to read the whole thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like okay um i don't know I, it just didn't kind of get there for me we talked about the oral history format it just like stripped out a lot of the stuff that i like in books descriptions internal thought like you mentioned mm-hmm. just some of the connective tissue that sort of holds scene and character together um i didn't I felt like there was, I just felt like there weren't enough people in this world. Like it was basically the same five people over and over again, plus Teddy, the record producer, plus Rod, the manager. And then like the Rolling Stone writer would come in every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And then Simone, Daisy's friend. It was like eight people who were quoted like 95% of the time. Yeah. And it just felt like so insular and insulated. I, I, I wanted, as we talked about more context, like, what was actually happening in the world? What was happening in the, on the charts? Why, 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 why? All this kind of stuff that I I didn't get. Um, when we'll talk about there's a, there is a twist in this book and I felt like the oral history format was just so incredibly wrong for how she put forth the twist just in like the nature. And I don't, I won't give it away now. It was very lackluster. Yeah. Because then the nature of the twist, like required the the interviewees to act in a certain way to withhold it from you, which made no sense upon like learning what the twist was. Um, and then as someone who's read a bunch of oral histories, I was like, you know, if you, if you actually read one of these, there is so much that goes into any like quotes. They don't just like, spew out quotes yeah it's very convenient that a lot of these characters are talking in like and uh, you know I th- i'm pretty sure it was it was june 8th 1976 yeah. when you know in the morning we walked into the studio and daisy was there and all this yeah, yeah. and you're just like okay like someone th- daisy did this and then yeah Billy did that yeah i you i guess you have to sort of d- like put on hold the fact that the memories are so good and so clear mm-hmm. and all that because it's Sort of, sort of has to be while like they're that. doing drugs and yeah that totally sober <laughs> yeah but also just like it just felt like the the quotes the the responses from the people were doing the like plot work mm-hmm. instead of just talking how people talk yeah they were doing some of the setting which just seemed kind of wrong to me yeah i mean if you had to choose like if you were to write this book or if you would what would be the preferable way to read this book narrative wise like would it be multiple narrators would it be under maybe just daisy jones's perspective it probably would be multiple narrators because i think one thing that she tries to do tjr is to have them be a little unreliable and so you will have sections where one person says one thing and the next person says Mm -hmm. something that contradicts it and it's some of them are kind of like minor contradictions but Mm -hmm. i guess it sort of broadens out like well if these people are disagreeing here then maybe they're disagreeing Mm -hmm all the time yeah um maybe like character chapters yeah i i would think so and that way you can get into the interior of like what daisy is thinking what billy is thinking what teddy's thinking those are kind of the mains and then that would i think that would be your way way into that yeah because you could still have a difference of opinion yeah right 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I, I don't know. I don't know. And, and to me too, I think I struggled with some of the, the music of it all. Like the idea that these are really famous people talking about their creative process and writing songs that I don't know that don't exist. I can't mm-hmm. go find. Yeah. It's one thing I think to have, let's, if you're reading an oral history about Fleetwood Mac, you kind of, you know, the songs Yeah. and you can think, Oh, or even like the Beatles, right? Mm-hmm. There's, in that new Beatles documentary, not new, but like last year, mm-hmm. there's they have scenes where John and Paul are like creatively producing a Beatles song that everyone knows. And it's mm-hmm. like, all right, well, that's very cool. Yeah. That happens in this book, but we don't have the music to the music. We don't have a relationship to it. It's just like lyrics, you know, separated by a slash. Billy starts strumming on his guitar and blah blah blah. Yeah. And I feel like there's there's just like a huge uphill lift to make that work. And for me, I just, I couldn't quite get there. Yeah. So. Yeah, me too. I mean, the, it's it's tough to, I feel like it's hard to write a book about music or like that has music paired with it. You just can't, like you can't really replicate it on the page. Um, and I know there's times where it's like, dum 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 or like they try to write that kind of stuff out. Yeah. It's just, it, for me, it never works. Yeah. Um, So I feel like that's a hard thing. It's almost like, you just don't even include it like because there's no context you don't even include the lyrics you just like maybe just have it be sort of subtext um because that's not really the important part of the story right it's what they're doing but it's not like the focus of the narrative the focus is billy and daisy's relationship so just keep it there but if if this was like a multiple narrator book like you mentioned, I would definitely, I think that would be way better because you get more interiority. You get sort of that difference of opinion. You know, you know, you can have Daisy say, Billy said this to me. Well, Billy was like, no, that's not what I said. Or maybe I meant this, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you do get a lot of that in the book. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I had a, I struggled with it too. I kind of started off great. I was like, Oh, this is, it's, it's, it's easy to read in the sense of like, it's quick. There's a lot of white space. Um, it's all dialogue essentially, Mm -hmm. but the issue is like, you don't, it's hard to relate to these characters. Like we get a little bit of the backstory, but we don't get a lot of interiority. We don't get to see how they feel. You don't go deep enough. Yeah. Like we just can't, it's hard to relate to characters who are just talking. You know what I mean? Um, so I struggle with that as well. Like I, I eventually put it down and came back to it and put it down and came back to it again eventually like ran through it um but yeah it wasn't like a the only enjoyable part was like uh flipping through the pages so quickly i think when you're in a in a groove sorry yeah. to, sorry to sound mean but like yeah you know that feeling where it's like oh, okay I'm, I'm cruising through this yeah the first hundred pages go down really easily yeah and then like i don't know there's also a lot of characters that pop in and out like the producers like old producers from the past or whoever like i've i'd mixed up the the band um the band members named like warren and mm-hmm. graham and i was having a hard time keeping track of everybody um because there isn't really descriptions of them it's just sort of like graham's billy's brother and warren is like the guitarist whatever and yeah. then there's pete as well and it's like warren was on drums oh oh you're right wait was it well, yeah. who was the other? Oh, to your point, Eddie. Yeah. Eddie, yeah. yeah, Eddie, yeah, fucking okay. So yeah, you're right. But anyways, that, so that I kind of struggled with as well. I was like, wait, who's this guy again? So, yeah, didn't didn't love the book, but if you want like a 
if you're into oral history and you're into the 70s and you're into drama and you're into dialogue, quick reads. The other thing I would say is that the the book and the show are, are sort of presented as this like it there it's kind of like a like a a JB style mystery where it's like it starts with you know Daisy Jones and the Six performed their last show on whatever June 10th 1977 at Soldier Field and yeah. here's how that all went down. Yeah. And so you're kind of reading it thinking like all right, well when's the what's the cause etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. and then the book kind of I think the show, the show like recognized that the book was sort of a whimpery version of a band breaking up. Like mm-hmm. there was no grand explosion, yeah. at least not that's presented. Um, I don't know, not metatextually. Like what's above subtext in the text? Mm-hmm. There's right. no, there's no in-text explosion. <laughs> Just it, text. It's a lot of like subtext, a lot of like talking around anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, because you're sort of telling us like, hey. The, this was the biggest band in the world. Trust me. And they mm-hmm. exploded. And there's like no real explosion. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's a little bit. Yeah. Disappointing. Yeah. Lackluster. So that's how, that's how we feel. I chuckled when I read the transcript or whatever they call it of the reveal. Oh it yeah. A, it was such like a, pl- you could just tell it's such a placed thing. Yeah. Like usually the, the interviewer interjects and, yeah shows daisy the their video of her mom and it's like i don't know it just felt very forced and just didn't feel right yeah you want to let's talk about that later yeah fair um well cool anything else you wanted to mention about the book before we move on no congratulations to tjr for making money listen she made her money so keep writing people love you don't need us to people loved it except for us yeah maybe we're i think it's just not for us maybe or yeah i don't know we're you know 30 year old white males well, I mean, I like the era. I like the time. I like it. I like a lot. I like the yeah, idea of it. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe I'll write my own competing oral yeah. history. <laughs> you should. The Dunn really Dun brothers. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Look, I know that I said that I would tell you everything. But how much of everything do you really want to know? You regret me and I regret you. write songs about who you wish you were not who you are what if you wrote songs about the guy that maybe wants things that he shouldn't who'd want to hear a song about that i think everybody would And we are back. Thank you for listening to the trailer. Um, so, before we get into the adaptation itself, the show, the TV show, Eric is uh, going to learn us something. Eric, what do you got for us? Yeah, we're going to keep it fun, keep it light. We're going to talk about Laurel Canyon um, because that's where Daisy Jones is set and it takes a lot of inspiration from the Laurel Canyon crew that was running around in the 60s and, and early 70s. Laurel Canyon is a kind of like forested woodland five minutes north of the sunset strip in los angeles which is kind of um crazy and it's it was this like grand bohemian 
um, place for all these kind of like Woodstock rockers, um, folk musicians, psychedelic rockers, country rockers, pop groups, rock stars. They all found this like idyllic world where they grew up together to become some of the best known artists of the time. People like Joni Mitchell, the Eagles, so Glenn Fry and um, the other guy on the Eagles, Don Henley, the Monkees, you know, Crosby, Stills and Nash. Uh, there's a bunch of other guys like uh, Eric Clapton, Jim Morrison, Jackson Brown, Frank Zappa. I think the the word is that Frank Zappa first like bought the first house in Laurel Canyon and sort of made it a thing. Um, but, you know, there's many, many songs that have ca- come out of this like creative time. Um, and it, you know, I love them all. I'm a very, I'm a very big like fan of this time and this vibe. There's like a Laurel Canyon Legends playlist on Spotify that I listen to a lot. Uh, the sad thing is like Joni Mitchell's not on Spotify because she mm. uh, doesn't succumb to like that kind of you know. She doesn't like apps. Yeah, not a big app person. That's fair. Um, so you don't get the full sense of it, but it's I'm I I love it. I'm into it. That's really cool. I actually did not. I've heard of Laurel Canyon, but I didn't know. I had no idea that it was like a hotbed for all these famous musicians I and they live like together. Yeah. I think pretty recently. It's I, like the Calabasas. Of- yeah. Yeah. Pretty recently. <laughs> I think the house from our house, which is a Crosby stills Nash and young song went for sale and it's about Joni Mitchell, like crashing with them and how she like helped make a house, a home kind of a thing oh. it recently went for sale. And I was looking at the Zillow listing of it. It was purchased in like 1967 for like peanuts yeah. and it's on sale and it like is the same house and it's on sale for like $3 million. Of course it is. Like, God Jesus. Lord. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Interesting time. Interesting place. That's this really is, cool. This is like some, I think there was a very famous, no, maybe not very famous, a sunset strip riot that inf- like Buffalo Springfield wrote some songs after that happened. I don't know. The creative time, a politically tenuous time. Mm. We hadn't yet realized that, you know, the hippies were going to lose. So it was sort of still happy. And Did they lose? I, I think so. <laughs> That's probably fair. I think so. We're on drugs. Is yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Continuous. That's really cool. Awesome. Well, if you didn't know about Laurel Kenyon, now you do. And uh, when you see Eric, say thank you. Yes. Just, well, tell them you're welcome. You're welcome. There you go. And we are on to the show. So... Eric, how would you describe the adaptation? Literal, loose, or reimagined? Everyone buckle up. This is going to be a long section. Oh, baby. Because um, we are fitting in a whole season in, in this one section. So I would call, i probably call this loose. I think there is enough changes to fill a Laurel Canyon pool. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That didn't really work. But anyway, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of like little stuff that was changed. And we're going to do some honorable mentions here in a second mm-hmm. um but overall i mean they kept the band together they yeah. have most of the main characters are around it's pretty much the same thing you would have wanted to see but with some minor two major differences mm-hmm. yeah i would agree i would say probably literal loose because they just because they keep what you what you mentioned a lot of the main storyline together but just like a lot of filler and then some minor tweaks like here and there yeah and some people their backstories were like flipped and so like Mm -hmm. this happens just to a different person yeah um whole whole thing it's a whole thing some people are you know irish and not (laughs) italian you know (laughs) we'll get into it it's confusing yeah um so let's go over the glossovers real quick uh so no pete 
The original member, Chuck, becomes a dentist and doesn't go to Vietnam. Uh, Teddy is not a fat British man. Um, Karen is not an American. Um, Daisy goes to Phuket, um, which is in Thailand, I believe, mm-hmm. or Vietnam. Uh, not Greece. I guess she wouldn't be going to Vietnam during the 70s. Unless, yeah, she, was yeah, in, that... unless she was in the war, but she wasn't. So Yeah. Uh, and then the framing. Um, so in the book, it's 50 years after the mm. events. And then in the show, it's 20 years. Um, and then a couple of minor differences here. Billy quits the band in the show. Um, and he does not do that in the book. And then they have American Idol-like tryouts in the show, which are kind of funny. And then Eddie doesn't want him back because he wants to be the star, um, which jives with the book. Uh, and then B- Billy relapses in the show towards the end, uh, which did not happen in the book. Um, there's that famous scene at the bar where he like somebody buys him a drink, which happens in the show yeah. as well. But in the book, he decides not to engage or he, he decides not to drink. And the guy actually notices and he like takes it away from him. Yeah. Because he's like staring at it for minutes. Yeah. I think it's a tequila. It's like a tequila. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. And then in the show, he just downs it. So in the show, I, the show is really funny because Sam Claflin, who plays Billy, is like watching them pour, watching the bartender pour him Jack Daniels, I think. And he just like stares at it with like wide yeah. open eyes, and then he has like the fake tear that rolls down yeah. his eye. Like that someone, was real no, <laughs> the real tears come from like the ducks, like closer to your nose. The fake tears come oh. from like the middle yeah, when yeah. someone just puts like eye drops in your eye That's and you let them famous, like run out. Uh, running back from the Denver Broncos. Yeah, the Noshan Moreno tear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or um the the Eagles coach at the Super Bowl. Oh, had a big big tear like that too that's ridiculous Why yeah that? but i kind of I, I i want there to be a meme of like him just looking at someone pouring him a drink and just yeah. like crying a tear <laughs> it's like me at friday at 501 <laughs> just like this week killed me yeah <laughs> um so yeah he relapses in the show and then how teddy meets billy daisy is a bit different so it's a little bit flip-flopped so in the show or let's start with the book the book billy's uh sorry teddy sees billy at the troubadour in the band um and daisy joins the band based on the rolling stone article uh in the show uh it's flipped because uh teddy sees daisy at the troubadour and approaches her uh and then billy accosts him uh at a, <laughs> at a convenience store uh, and they audition in the show and they and they get they, that's how they meet him so it's a little bit different but um doesn't really change too much about the story itself yeah, I, I feel like Daisy has her own thread in the show more so than she does in the book. In the book, she's just kind of like an added bit of, of chaotic energy. And I guess the show is like, she's her own person. She lived here. Here's her parental history. Yeah. And this is her, her independent arc Yeah, for her to become Daisy Jones, the whatever kind of pop star she is at the end of when they, during the interview time period. Um, So, Eric, why don't you give us the number one uh, difference here uh, of our four main differences from the book and the show. Yeah. I wanted to to start with Simone because Simone is a character who I, I mean, think certainly gets the biggest glow up yeah. from book to, mm-hmm. to show. Um, we mentioned there's no real Pete. I saw a quote from one of the showrunners who said basically like, yeah, we, we did not include Pete because we knew we were going to do more for Simone. And it was like timing wise, it just made more sense. So Simone in the book is kind of just like a friend of Daisy. She is a a singer. Mm -hmm. Um, but she more often than not appears to tell you what Daisy was thinking at a certain moment. Mm -hmm. She becomes the sort of like interiority person. Mm -hmm. 
um which there's really like nothing to play if you're doing a tv show so in the tv show they make her a full-fledged character she is still a singer but she's trying to make her own career um she's given a love interest a club owner in new york city um she as mentioned like goes through her own creative arc um and gets assaulted by a record producer um she is also integral in getting daisy to come back to the band she's she remains integral in like as a daisy liaison character Mm -hmm. so daisy goes off to greece after they finish recording an album before they're set to start touring it which is where she meets this irish prince son of a prince Mm -hmm. and simone goes there to watch them get married but there's a whole bottle episode where simone basically tries to get daisy to come back to the states yeah so simone has a lot more to do it still is tied to daisy um but she has her own arc she gets her own things Mm -hmm. she eventually becomes an owner of that club in new york city and like will sing occasionally uh and then as a, a one of her key moments is that she at the end encourages Daisy to both leave the band and go to rehab. Yeah. So a lot of the things that were happening in the book, they give to Simone. Yeah. They give her more importance and prominence in the story. Um, And they also show just a different side of the music industry Mm -hmm. that you don't really get with um, Daisy and Billy. Um, I do have one gripe though, with her storyline at the end where she gets a record deal, but the record deal basically states that like you can't tell anybody that you're queer or you're a lesbian, mm, right? Mm, and mm. she and you can't bring essentially you can't bring your partner around, and her partner obviously has an issue with that, and so she has to basically decide the record deal or her her relationship with her partner, and then she makes a decision to take the record deal. She moves out, right? She leaves, but then she comes back and she's with Daisy and she said she turned down the record deal and that she's back with her partner. Although they just showed us that she left. So there's like a big missed opportunity there for that reconciliation. It's also confusing because she, the TV show showed us one thing and then they told us another thing. Um, did the, did that assault happen between them? I don't remember. Assault. Like when the, the record producer, like, like grabs her this is that's way before that's okay that's way different yeah so unrelated yeah yeah yeah. but i don't know i just i I just thought like what you told us one thing you showed us a different thing what the fuck like you just fumbled you fumbled at the one yard line right yeah but but i will say like her backstory is awesome uh it was a really like awesome addition to the show um and it just showed you like you know female dynamics in the music industry for a single female artist were different with the sexual assault and they, they stole her vocals yeah, and put them on some white lady. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then that's what kind of triggers her to leave to go to New York city. And then there's obviously the, uh, her relationship with the DJ slash owner of that club. I'm not sure what exactly her role was, but she was really good. Um, and yeah, it was just a really cool, really cool addition to, to the show, which I really enjoyed yeah i think that's a good point there's it's a different perspective to bring yeah to it to fill out the the world uh, and i think it's implied in the book that when she goes there she has to when she goes to phuket or i guess rome at that point she has to get mm-hmm. daisy to come back so I, I think you you read that and think like oh i could make a whole episode about yeah the dynamics between the two of them there and the conflict and 
the roller coaster ride of yeah. friendship and all let's that. Let's go to Greece instead of Italy, right? Yeah, I wonder why and they did that. And let's have an Ital or a, an Irish prince as opposed to the Irish guy lives in Greece. It makes total <laughs> sense. Um, but yeah, I really liked. You can't get as tan in Ireland, so that's true. But he didn't. He wasn't really tan. Well, I, yeah, I guess he's Irish. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, another difference there, <laughs> but. Cool. Is there anything else you want to mention about Simone and her backstory before we move on to? No, I think that's good. Um, number two, uh, Camilla and Eddie's relationship. So there's a lot to unpack here. Um, actually, you want to take it? Yeah. So I would say in the book, generally, Camilla is a mother figure, a mother figure. And I was gonna say like a manic pixie dream girl, almost mm. like very close, like the person who is just like, yeah, hun, like yeah. go out and do drugs and have sex and I'll be home like cooking meatloaf and you know, whenever you want, like hop into bed and I'll be there and things will be great. And I'll, I'll never ask, you know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. things, I trust you <laughs> and it, it, everything is great. And I'll kiss you big fat ki- kiss on the lips and mm-hmm. love you so much. Yeah. Go off and have your fun. Don't worry about little old me. <laughs> I'll just be here. And I, I feel like in the, in the book or sorry, in the show, they're like, that's less of that less of that like let's give her some actual power mm-hmm. and so in so doing they elevate her to become the person who actually gets daisy to join the group and i promise i'll get to the eddie part of it um they they get her to they she helps daisy join the group she uh has like a roller coaster ride with billy but it's it's very much like i still will always love you mm-hmm. but um she decides to start a relationship with Eddie basically who is the by rhythm guitarist in the band. Yeah. And Eddie is another guy. All these, the six we should say come from Pittsburgh. They're all like childhood buddies yeah. in a certain sense. Um, and Camilla is also from Pittsburgh and Eddie and Billy don't really get along. Yeah. We should mention Eddie is very much like Billy's the, the guy, the alpha of the group. He kind of makes all the decisions. Eddie always feels slighted when, like he either takes his place or changes something that Eddie worked on. So Eddie is always kind of like, there's always a little bit of competition feud between those two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Camilla in the show is feeling a little bit more at this point when they kind of hook up, she's feeling a little bit more insecure by herself in her marriage because Daisy and Billy are getting so close as they're writing these songs together. And she's beginning to suspect that they might be having an affair um, it's more of a threat there yeah more of a threat exactly so she it was actually a great episode because she's all dolled up and she just like as billy comes in she's like all right i'm going out and that's it and she just goes and she's sitting at the bar by herself waiting for somebody to come up and hit on her but it's not going well and then she sees eddie there talking to a different girl and that was actually a really good scene where he like comes up to her he's like hey are you okay like what's going on yeah, she's he's like, yeah, I'm fine, whatever. And then he like ditches the other girl yeah. and sits down next to Camilla. <laughs> what does the other girl say? She walks by like asshole or something. That's pretty good. And then anyways, so that's how these two kind of connect in sort of a mutual f- feud hatred of Billy at this moment. Mm-hmm. And then. Yeah. And it becomes a secret that Camilla holds on to because she feels like it gives her some power. It's also not implied though. So they actually don't show anything. They cut that scene early. So it's actually, we don't know at that point if they'd actually hooked up or not. But anyways, we find that out later. I feel like they did. It was sort of like they might have, they may not have. Yeah. But she does use it or the, the, 
implication of it in a fight with Billy later on during the like the lead up to the Chicago Soldier Field show. Yeah, yeah. Um, they she's she continues to see Billy and Daisy like very close, mm-hmm. like talking very close. She sees them like embracing um, at the house in Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, and is like the last straw. Like, tell me you don't love her, yeah, and everything yeah. will be fine. And he can't say, and it. he can't say it. And then Daisy comes in the hallway, and she's like, "What was that about?" And he's like, "I told her the truth that I've never done anything with you, and I never will." Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "But we, but, but storm off. Yeah, yeah. it's like that was a weird. I don't know, weird thing. It was a weird thing. Um, but it, it, it's sort of like the threat of a break for the two of them is based on the idea that maybe she and Eddie like did something together. They both allude to it to Billy and Billy gets like really pissed off and it causes him actually to relapse. Yeah. The fact that his entire life is sort of falling apart. Yeah. And I think it actually improves the story. It makes it more of a threat for Camilla to leave and Billy to be like, you know, regress to his old ways. Um, I think it's more realistic too, mm-hmm. where it's like in the book, she's, she's kind of just like, Oh yeah, go like fuck around and, and I'll be back. And then she's like, well, actually, now I'm mad about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, well, so, so, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I Everyone's different, but it's like, yeah. it's, it's, I don't know. And then Plus here it's like, you can understand why she would like, okay, the thing I need to do now is kind of get back at him, have my own yeah. thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, I liked it. I um, it, I do think there there was a bit of Eddie love towards Camilla in the book. Mm-hmm. And they kind of just played that up yeah let's let's lean into this a little bit I mean, they toned a lot of eddie stuff up because eddie eddie's initially lead guitar maybe or plays so. guitar and then Where's when the Ch- chuck leaves they're like well we need a bass player yeah. and so he becomes bass and he didn't want to do that and so it just it starts early and mm-hmm. it is often um i guess we didn't quite talk about it but when billy billy quits the band and tries to come back eddie's like no we're good like you don't need to come <laughs> yeah. back because eddie thinks he's going to be the lead singer now and yeah yeah, yeah that's and, right. and everyone's like i don't know we we kind of do need billy please yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at the the two of them are just like constantly 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 bickering yeah, yeah. um i don't know i think it's just better i think yeah. they just took the stuff in the book like you said and just kind of cranked Down it up. up yeah um and then she, camilla actually breaks up with billy in the book but not in the show not really in the show so when they're all living in Pittsburgh and Billy and the band eventually decide we're going to go for it. We're going to move to Los Angeles and try to make it as a band. Initially they leave and leave Camilla behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and they like break up for real. And I think eventually I can't remember exactly what the cows was for them getting back together, but I think he calls her and she's like, he's like, come, come, to, come to California. Yeah. And she's like, okay. But in the show, it's like, that is still kind of there. She's like, my family's here. I can't, I can't leave. And then she like is like, fuck my family. I'm going to California. Yeah, and that was kind of, I don't know. I thought that was a little silly. Well, it, yeah, there was that, there was that moment with her mom, where her mom's like, you should like never bet- you turn your back on your family. And then she says, well, that's what you did. Yeah. And we have no context as, as to what she did. But her dad is still there, so it's yeah. Like, so it doesn't uh, really make sense. Yeah. So they didn't flesh that out. And her mom does show up later to take care of the baby. So it's like. Yeah. What's family? Well, how far is the flight from Pittsburgh <laughs> to California? You can't visit. Come on. <laughs> so, yeah. So a little, a little minor difference, but um, I kind of wish I don't know. I kind of wish they had kept that the same in the sh- in the show as the book. Like, make that sort of separation more like I don't know, dramatic, in order for him to sort of write better songs, right, about her. 
because because the break didn't really happen so eventually like the songs that he's writing don't like he didn't actually have those experiences you know what i mean yeah i think it, it also creates a good threat where it's like i've left you before yeah i can live without you that's true um and i'll do it again yeah because in the in the i mean in the show she's very much like attached to billy like mm-hmm. she she goes with them she catches him cheating and it's like you better fucking stop yeah you better we have fix a, this we have a baby yeah yeah um she's very much just like f- fixing him in real time mm-hmm. um i guess at the end you could you could almost say they break up because they like take a break where he goes to rehab again yeah and then they come back and everything's fine yeah but i guess not really not really yeah but yeah but they definitely give her a glow up as well in the show yeah from the from the book yeah um okay number three billy daisy hooking up eric scandalous i know in, in the 1970s were you allowed to, <laughs> you kiss, allowed to do that? Yeah, the kiss people uh in the book this is all kind of subtext i think there are a couple of mentions that you know they're working very closely they're writing songs together they're like in the same booth at the same mm-hmm. time recording vocals and the the guy who runs the vocals is like it's actually kind of annoying for me because i i couldn't like edit them independently like if billy was low and daisy was good it was the it was a bad take yeah yeah because they were together and so they're just like always kind of together i think someone mentions that they kiss but as mentioned there's like the unreliable narrator thing makes you question whether or not that happened in the show is it's overt like billy and her hook up at least twice Uh, his feelings for her are confusing Mm -hmm. um but I think the change is for the better. Not only does it have to be avert because it's filmed, like you have to see it because you have to see it. There's this sort of sense that Billy is like breaking away from Camilla and is breaking towards Daisy with the idea that like, you know, he's an addict and if he's with Daisy together, they can be like addicts and broken and messes and, and two halves of like the, the same whole. Um, and, daisy's like i don't actually want that at all mm-hmm. i thought i wanted that but i actually kind of came to you for your strength yeah yeah because you were the me that was fixed right and then now you're the me that is broken yeah and so it's it's sort of like an ebbing and flowing of two people like meeting at the wrong time yeah yep in real time and i, I just think it's better i just showing the hookup. yeah i guess well maybe let's let's think about it because you do see it and it is like a little bit shocking to think that he just then goes right back to Camilla and is like, we'll be fine. Right. I'll work for you and you're the best. And I fucked up and it's hard to, to like Billy. Right. For doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you kind of, it's complicated. I think you kind of need it. Otherwise it's just tension. Um, I think you can get away with just tension in a book as opposed to a show. Like there's only so much you can do in a show where it just becomes old. You know what I mean? If you're doing the same thing, you know, the flirty kind of fighting, feuding chemistry over and over and over again, at a certain point, people will be like, okay, this is never going to happen. Like this is the same thing. Yeah. So you kind of need a little bit of like togetherness, whatever, a little bit of like, take it to the next step. Bill is willing to essentially, maybe cheat is the wrong word, but like go back on his wife to kiss um daisy right outside the studio to sort of motivate her to do her to do the song mm-hmm. but also like maybe he actually has feelings for her 
he has feelings for enough to kiss her. So it's like, yeah. So you kind of have that more of an inkling of like, okay, so maybe they will be together. Maybe he will leave his wife. So it's a little more of a threat, I think, in the show as opposed to them just kind of like having the subtext in the book where it's like, you never, I never really got the sense that he was going to leave his wife for, um, Daisy. Daisy. Yeah. Although in the show, I kind of like with everything that was going on with him and Daisy, as well as Camilla and Eddie, I kind of, there was more of a threat of them actually breaking apart. I think that worked for the show better than it did in the book. And I think, I think to follow that point, we needed this band to break up and it, is just like way easier if you can imagine like actually going towards that place with somebody and then immediately like separating yourselves. Like how could he ever work with Daisy again after doing that? How could he ever work with Eddie again after like sucker punching him before the show starts? We didn't really talk about Graham and Karen because their plot line is pretty much the same, but Mm -hmm. you know, you start hooking up with your bassist Mm -hmm. or whatever he's, he's guitar and she's on keys and, she has an abortion and it's like yeah. you know all of these things actually do detonate in the show in mm-hmm. a way they don't fully in the book so i think that's probably yeah and that. we also i want to shout out we forgot to mention graham's girlfriend yeah uh billy holiday what was no, no not billy holiday barry, barry manilow barry manilow yeah taking classes at uc santa barbara yeah miss arizona like oh yeah, yeah. What, 1973 or something so that was more of a catalyst for karen to sort of want him yeah want want graham yeah. she didn't see him as sexy wantable or yeah. yeah she just saw him as like a kind of a dumb not a dumb guy but like a just a band member kind of yeah because the his girlfriend is like don't you find him so sexy and she's like no huh <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> yeah and then she does um so yeah so it definitely changes them hooking up sort of changes the dynamics of the relationships with the band members in the show as well as the tension of uh, them getting together and Camilla and Billy splitting apart. Um, I do. It also helps Daisy get sober, I think, because she's like, oh, God. Yeah. Like, oh, no, I don't. Because that was her last relationship. They were both kind of broken. Yeah. Or her marriage, I guess. Um, yeah. Let's be broken together. Yeah. Except for not, I guess. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I guess then we can talk about this in relation to the ending, too, because that kind of... Mm-hmm becomes part of it yeah let's talk about the reveal <sighs> i guess so so in the show um so the the, re- the whole reveal is that the person who wrote the oral history in the book in the book or is filming the sort of like documentary in the show is camilla and billy's oldest daughter julia jules mm-hmm. and in both mediums she sort of like cuts in to a conversation remembering very well some memory when she was like five in the show it's happened to, he it's she's talking to billy in the book she's talking to daisy and it's like corroborating something that daisy said mm-hmm. and for me this is kind of like when this whole thing uh implodes where i just like really book or the show in both mm. because for me it's like you are talking to your daughter the whole time and you're just like overwriting her. You're not saying like, Oh yeah, well, you know, me, Camilla and Julia went to the store and yada, yada, yada or whatever. Like mm. you're, you're not kind of addressing her as you would have. Yeah. And the only reason you're not doing that is because of the show. Like if this documentary was actually happening, he would probably talk to her like, yeah, like her a, child, yeah. like his child. Right. But they're, 
refusing to do that for the sake of like a reveal it also doesn't add anything no like it doesn't change anything at all um it just is oh she grew up and became like a documentarian yeah like that's a like i guess that's interesting but like it doesn't change the dynamics of the billy daisy relationship or even the billy camilla relationship at all yeah i think it's you can sort of imagine the idea that like if this if this band imploded was that bad how do you get everyone to talk again about it if, yeah, if they really maybe. hate each other or whatever it is um and maybe it's like well let's get the do- everyone likes the kid yeah, like yeah. let's have the kid do it and you'll talk to her um but I, I agree with you i don't think it really adds much yeah and it just like in the in the book there are a couple of moments when there's a, a couple of moments early on where he they like um put in brackets like julia's name there's a, there's a couple mm-hmm. moments that kind of tease the idea that like he mentioned he talked to her in a way that he wasn't supposed to and she had to like edit it out oh really to keep oh, the charade going mm-hmm. um and was that so did that like was it a reveal for you when reading or did you kind of like suspect it well i watched the show first it was a reveal oh okay. yeah i was surprised was, okay yeah gotcha. um but for me it's just i, I don't know i it don't know what it really yeah. in the show they make camilla a photographer probably to allow her daughter to be also creative maybe yeah. maybe but i guess billy is a a singer and a songwriter so yeah. she would be theoretically creative too i don't know yeah they don't really do anything with her photography like it's more of like a hobby for her like she takes photos but i guess yeah it doesn't really matter i guess <laughs> <laughs> i don't know like, <laughs> but in the uh, i also want to mention like when they take the photos for the album cover is it in the book does she take the photos or is it somebody else yes she does in she, the book. she takes the photos in the book oh, yeah. and then it's a different album cover because they're showing like their bare chest yeah or their stomachs maybe yeah um and it's a different album cover which is like why do that like why make it this like stupid they're sitting on a chair in the desert on a hill like i don't know why i wanted i wanted them to replicate that i guess yeah because i was envisioning in my mind i was like oh this seems like it'd be a cool album cover like why can't they just hire a real photographer or like have camilla just do that you know what i mean instead she just takes pictures of them secretly while they're like doing that yeah photo shoot i didn't even know she had her camera on her but all of a sudden she's got her camera yeah she got she got that thing on her always (laughs) keep that thing on me yeah yeah i don't know i don't know strange i now that i'm trying to think through the daughter inclusion so the other reveal i suppose is that camilla has passed away yeah she gets sick not long after her and and billy sort of come back together and this whole documentary is taking place like in the aftermath of her death. Uh, maybe it's been a, a few years mm-hmm. and, and certainly in the book when it's been m- many more years than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is Camilla holds the like one piece of information that Billy needs, I suppose, which is like, go tell like to my daughters, go tell Billy to give Daisy Jones a call. And that's like the one piece of information that her daughter has to bring to the narrative other other than just like filming and writing an oral history she's the one who owns the like last camilla communication that yeah. tells billy to go for it with daisy yeah there, there you go but that's why that's, what I'm that's to, why yeah i don't know i mean it's a good it's a good line they still owe me a song right and it 
I don't know. I was telling my tell my mom this this morning about like how it ended, right? How the show ends, and she's like, oh, kind of like because mm. yeah. it's like it's a, it's an ending for like everybody, kind of. Yeah. Um, it's the people who rooted for Daisy and Billy, and it's an ending for the people who voted who rooted for Billy and Camilla. And you had to you had to kill Camilla in order to let Billy and Daisy get together. The author had to kill her. Yeah. Which is like kind of a cop out a little bit, in my opinion. You right? can't make the hard choice because there's a like there's no choice to make. Yeah. The choice has been removed. Right, exactly. Which is we like We gave her lupus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which I didn't love. I mean I did I would have rather I don't know. Billy just goes back into a drinking stupor <laughs> becomes an addict. I suppose in a sense though, Billy does make the choice cause he does pick Camilla, but not, I guess, well, no, I mean, Daisy kind of picks in Daisy. Show, Daisy kind of just rejects him and he has to go back to, he tries to go back to Camilla and Camilla is also like, well, keep working. Yeah. And it wasn't actually clear if they were separated or, or not. not. Yeah. I think they had reconnected, but it wasn't, so in a sense billy doesn't really make any choices he's like he he chooses daisy daisy's like goodbye yeah and he's like oh shit camilla can i make it in time (laughs) can i make it in time yeah i don't know the billy character was in the show was a bit i don't know i liked him when he was strong and i just didn't think like the drinking he didn't need to start drinking again i don't know i don't like it wasn't enough for me to like i don't like that actor at all I actually really like the actor. Oh. I didn't like the character. You don't like the actor? Yeah, no, I'm not a I fan. I thought he's really good. Sam Claflin. Yeah. Really expressive. He's got like a very like... Um, bony Bony face. face with a lot of like lines in it. Yeah, which is, you know... Yeah, he kind of looks like a Wii character to me. Like, like a what? Characters on the Wii, Nintendo Wii. I think he's a Wii character. Oh, no. no. <laughs> he, looks, he looks good in the future times. He looks worse to me when he's the future. Oh, when he's being what? interviewed in the future. Really? You think so? I think he looks better with his little beard. beard. Yeah, he looks healthier. I doubt it. I don't think so. In the past, he looks like all strung out and that's, it's like very. That's the character. Thin. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he's going on. He, he looks kind of like Graham Nash from Crosby, Stills and Nash, uh, probably intentionally. Maybe yeah. But, but um, yeah, I feel like he doesn't have any like charisma. Doesn't have a lot of like really chemistry with he's, people. He, but he's supposed to be an asshole. Like he's supposed yeah, to be kind of a dick. That's like, true. He's, he has charisma on stage, but other than that, he didn't really have. He wasn't like a charismatic guy. Yeah, I, but like he also is. He's also the one that's like swinging between two different women. Also, the another difference we forgot to mention is how Camilla and Billy meet. Yeah, one's at the the laundromat. TV shows in the laundromat, mm-hmm. right? And then, in the book, it's in it's at a show, I think. Mm-hmm. But a similar pickup line, right? Or like, I'm gonna write a song for you. Yeah, yeah. And he doesn't. You or actually, does he writes? He writes song. all the songs for him. <laughs> it's for a whole her. album. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, was the adaptation successful? I think so. I think if you are coming for Daisy Jones, this is it. this is Daisy Jones. Yeah. And I think it's not to spoil our future section, but I, I think it's it builds and does it much more successfully mm-hmm. i know you asked me if it was successful and i said it was successful by doing things successfully but <laughs> um 
you're an English major. So it builds you're on. You're good with words. Right? Yeah, I still, I'm still not a, f- a huge fan of the of the like reveal of the daughter, but yeah. whatever. That's not to my taste. But this, you, we would say the TV show is probably, for me, better than the book. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that in a second. <laughs> I <forget laughs> you just, you just, you just gave us your choice. <laughs> um, I, so did we like the show? I think more than the book. But yeah. Did you like it in general? Yeah, I mean, it, in a lot of ways, it was. Like the first couple episodes, I think were were fairly like cliche in a certain way. Um, I really like episode five. That's when they Billy and Daisy go off and do the like songwriting thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the song was "Let Me Down Easy." Mm-hmm. They write that in Teddy's house. I thought that was actually a pretty good yeah. episode, a good uh, showcase of like the creative process and how it might work between two people who hate each other. And they have these very like probing conversations about who they are, what they want. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought that was probably the my favorite episode. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, I agree that I thought the adaptation was successful, but um, yeah, didn't, I like the show. I like the show. I wouldn't watch it again. I've would, seen it twice now. Have you really? It's my second Look time. You. Yeah, you're a number one fan. I Super watched it fan. in real time, knowing oh, that Amazon you? was messing up. Yeah, they were. But too bad okay hot takes um i'll go first i think leonardo DiCaprio has made a huge huge mistake in dumping <laughs> just just because she's gorgeous and she's good like she wasn't bad i thought she was like definitely not bad yeah i thought she was pretty good as like this motherly strong you know female character um especially for how young she is as an actress you know what i mean i don't think she's been in a lot of other stuff and to immediately go in playing like a very strong like wife mother it's person. possible she dumped him <laughs> you're, just like, you're just like thinking about <laughs> it's possible. you're off in your own little world <laughs> just trying to think what makes you what makes you dump i mean i guess you're well, you know what it is well uh yeah well I'm, I'm also thinking probably like they were together while she was making the show Maybe he was threatened Ooh. by her as an actress. Like, oh, shit. Maybe he was threatened by Sam Claflin. Mm. Or even Eddie. Probably not. Probably Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> Coming home late at night. Where you been? Yeah. How was Sam? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Sam. Oh, is he British? I bet you Leo is the, the jealous type. Because he, he's oh, probably... for has, sure. He's got a huge ego. Well, he's... Leo um, come to the pod, Yeah. <laughs> we love you. I th- I'm pretty sure he's... He has, like... Scientists will study his, like, arrested development in life because I think the word is that he's basically, like, the same person he was when Titanic oh. happened. So he's kind of stuck as, like, a 23-year-old. Like, uh, interesting. Because, like, the world has never changed for him since then. That's a really interesting perspective. So, future scientists, if you needed an idea, <laughs> that's a free one. I kind of believe that because he's never like I'm sure he's had hardships and stuff, but he's never. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, since then. Leo, come on the pod. Come on the Tell pod. Let's, let's talk about it. <laughs> let's unpack it. Yeah, I feel like that's um, a that's a, a conversation for like Mark Marin or like a Dak, oh, Shep- yeah. Dak Shepard, <laughs> armchair expert. Two professionals, yeah, two professionals. Yeah. Well, they know about fame. I don't know about fame. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's fair um eric give us your hot take all right daisy jones absolutely would not have taken the covid back oh wow i don't know why i thought about this i was thinking about this in the shower everyone's everyone's always like oh you know how did the boomers go from like hippies to now they're like oh well you know the vaccine doesn't work and i think it makes sense if you think about daisy jones as a boomer because she doesn't take 
anything from anyone. She's like, you want something from me? Like, fuck yeah, you. It's almost why she doesn't do it. It's because somebody told her to do it. Yeah. She's kind of, she's got like the Kyrie Irving streak, but also I feel like yeah. the hippies are sort of, we think of them as like very progressive, but in a lot of senses too, they were very anti-government because it was true. the whole post like, or during um, Vietnam yeah. when the government essentially lied about what it was doing and how much progress they were making there. And, yeah. but you know, let's just keep sending troops. <clears throat> Sorry. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting, getting choked up about, you know, um, <laughs> So you can sort of understand like how that generation at a very important time in their lives was like, you know, the government is lying. Yeah. Yeah. Cut to today where it's like, Hey, what you like us, remember <laughs> you, you guys all want to line up for the shot. Cause it's, this is like the Eric Clapton thing. Eric Clapton didn't get the vaccine. Uh, oh, really? and people were like, what? And it's like, what? Well, he's a fucking, yeah. He's a hippie. Yeah. It kind of, sense. to me, it makes sense. He does. He had hippies have their own drugs and yeah. they're not government approved. It's essentially yeah. what their choice is. Except for in um, Oregon now. You can do like well, all right. sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. That's where they all live. That's where the new Laurel Canyon is going to be. Th- I love this take because I absolutely 100% believe it. Do you think Stevie Nicks took the vax? Did she come, ever come out saying anything? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We should ask her. We should we should Google that. <laughs> um, I don't I don't want to Google stuff like that because it's, you, you know, you, you're like, oh, huh, okay. Yeah, you start finding out things you didn't want to know. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, re- I remember... Charlie Sheen, the whole Charlie Sheen stuff uh-huh. before it all like Tiger Blood, all that stuff came out. I was just reading through his Wikipedia one day because that's what we did in college in like 2009. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We just like opened up Wikipedia articles yeah. and he was like, I think 9-11 is a hoax. And I remember reading that he being like, that? what? Like, I, I didn't even know that was an opinion. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then like all this stuff came out and I was like, oh, Charlie man. Sheen said that? Yeah. Oh, weird. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> uh, show or book? Show. <laughs> show, show. Show, fuck. Yeah, show for me as well. I think it's pretty obvious. Um, what will we remember most? Um, you go first as I think about this. I liked the line that was the, the writer who Daisy was going on a date with. And she was talking about, like, I like to drink champagne with my coffee because it's like an upper and a downer at the same time. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was like... She calls it something. Yeah, like an up down or something like yeah. that and uh they start getting into a conversation he's like maybe you can be like my muse or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, i just love the way <laughs> he lie. says that yeah and then she has the very powerful responses like i'm no one's muse i am the i am the someone like end of story yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's i think that's a line that gets thrown around a lot with like the promotion for this book which yeah, is a yeah. good line but i, mean, I it's funny because he laughs at the end of that he's yeah like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's just a very like dopey line. It's very you can be like my muse or something. You know? What's the what's the line that you mentioned before we started recording about the, the opening line of the whole series? Oh yeah, the show starts and it's uh Daisy's basically like I don't know where to begin, and then the interviewer is like, why don't you just begin at the beginning or <laughs> start at the beginning? Yeah, why don't you start at the beginning? <laughs> you push like, that oh, fucking right. genius. <laughs> <laughs> because you know, I mean, when you like write scripts and read scripts it's always the first few pages that are supposed to be like the punchiest the hookiest Mm -hmm. it's like can you imagine like this happening and it's like that's the first line of dialogue yeah okay so she says i don't know where to begin and the interview says how about the beginning (laughs) (laughs) it's just like (laughs) how does that get approved you know what i mean yeah listen the writer strikes happening right yeah listen we couldn't get the big dogs yeah aaron sorkin was not available (laughs) Um, for me, I think I'm just going to remember this is Camilla's coming out party. Leo's going to be upset. And, um, I have a new muse. 
So the Little Lens follow account grew by one today. <laughs> <laughs> one new follower. <laughs> or one new following. Yeah. yeah. Um but yeah. So that's it. Thanks for listening if you made it this far. We're gonna sign off and um check out our most recent episode on living and then obviously the Oscar picks, which I don't think I don't think I did very well. We actually didn't review these, but I think I I think I chose like Tar and Todd Field. Mm-hmm. And uh Nicole Kim or not Nicole Kidman, Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. She, she lost. She, yeah, she did lose. Yeah, we we need to review those because I think I lost. Everything lost everywhere them. won everything. It won everything. How yeah. many did it win? It won like seven or yeah, eight, right? yeah. Crazy. Good for me in our our fantasy Hollywood yeah, league because highly leveraged in that you movie. You took the Daniels and Michelle Yeoh, right? You know, someone saw it coming. <laughs> Next year is my year for sure. I have Bradley Cooper, Ryan Gosling, Barbie. The, the Yorgos Lanthimos. Yeah, me? yeah. The trailer just came out. Looks dope. I've got some other ones. I'm I'm leveraging the Killers of the Flower Moon because I got oh, Leo yeah. and Scorsese. Shout out Leo. Yeah, and I have Emma Stone from that Yorgos Lanthimos oh, movie. Fuck. So she's definitely gonna win. And I have Margot Robbie, who is playing Barbie in Barbie. Shit. You guys just have Ken. Will. <laughs> <laughs> Ken is understated. He's Ugh. underrated character. Uh, you know what's sure. really good? If you're interested in that, you should look up the Ryan Gosling quotes about ken because they're like amazing they're just like they're funny yeah i haven't seen it he's like ken is not a, a character that gets explored too much we really wanted to like dig into yeah, ken's yeah. backstory it's <laughs> like okay <laughs> i love him yeah so good um cool so check that out and then keep an eye uh out on our next episode eric do you want to do you want to drop it for us wool wool yeah um who's the writer the who book? wrote it hugh howie hugh howie uh came out like in the early uh or maybe it was the 2010s, whatever they call them. Um, but the show is called Silo on Apple TV. Another series. Um, but yeah, that's going to be coming out in the next um, however long it takes. And um, any shout outs? I know you have a shout out. Why don't you? John Mulaney. <laughs> <laughs> Baby J. Baby J. I was going to say Camilla Marone. Well, that's okay. I've already shouted her yeah, out a few times. So. <laughs> yeah, Camilla, come on the pod. Yeah, we'd love to get you in person. If not, Zoom is available too. <laughs> you, should, you should move to LA for her. You know what I mean? Like opposite of her moving for Billy. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, Just, yeah. And then explain that to her when you find her. I'm sure it'll go over. Yeah, I think well. she would like that a lot. It'll go over great. Yeah. Yeah, I'll try that. Um, well, cool. Um, this has been the last episode. <laughs> We're get, officially getting canceled. Um, cool. Appreciate you guys listening. Um, you know. And whatever, we'll we'll be in touch. <laughs> Peace out. So.